tonight as you get ready for bed. If you're thinking it's been a good Sunday, I think I'm going to spend some time with God, maybe read a little bit of the Bible, and then I'll go to sleep. I want to recommend that as you open the Bible and read that the book of Nahum be your very last choice. <laughs> there are 66 books of the Bible. I'm not exaggerating. It comes in dead last. It's number 66. 65 would be Second Chronicles, 64 would be Numbers, 63 would be Levit. You get the picture? Dead last. It's not devotional literature. It's not a book that I often go to if I want to feel close to God. And so why on earth would we spend such a lovely Sunday morning worship service out of the book of Nahum? And the easy answer is it's because 30 years ago someone dared me and said, well, you could even preach from the book of Nahum. It's like, we'll see. But what if? There's a bigger story. What if it's a part of a bigger story? And I think it is, but we're going to have to put it in a bit of, bit, bit of a context in order to really hear the what if of the book of Nahum. A few things to see about this book is that in 721 B.C., Israel was invaded by the Assyrians and they started carting them off into exile. By the time you get to 587-586 BC, when the Babylonians had overtaken the Assyrians and went in and got the rest of the people out of Israel and Judah and took the rest of them into exile, there was something that happened right in the middle and it was in 612 when Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire got destroyed. And we think that what Nahum is, is Nahum as God's prophet walked in to Nineveh somewhere in that time frame and said, nothing you can do is going to save you. Every single one of you are going to get it in the neck. God's going to come in and ransack the place. He's going to kill all of you. Uh, God is good. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That actually is in the book of Nahum, where it just goes, death, destruction, devastation. The Lord is good. And, then, and it's like, man, this book is something. What in the world was going on in this book? Well, let me tell you, and I'm not... I'm not trying to rationalize this, but it does at least help it put it in a little bit of a context. The book of Nahum is written, and this is an important point, from the eyes of the oppressed. It's written 
from the eyes of an Israel who is just tired. They're tired because Assyria came in while they were minding their own business, grabbed them, and took them back to Nineveh. And so as slaves in Nineveh, knowing probably by the time we get to Nahum that the end of Nineveh is on the horizon, but they can see that just because Nineveh is about to get it in the neck, that doesn't mean they get to go home. You know what it means? They get traded. They get traded off to another set of people who are going to bring them into slavery, which was the Babylonians. And so Nahum is the prophet who comes out to the people and says, in the midst of the people who are slaves, all of this that's happening around you, for those of you who are the remnant of God's people, all of this that is happening around you, and it's a voice of one crying. Not a voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's a different prophet. This is a voice of one crying. And here's what it sounds like. Just a snip. 114. The Lord has commanded concerning you, your name shall be perpetuated no longer. From the house of your gods, I will cut off the carved image and the cast image. I will make your grave, for you are worthless. Look on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. Celebrate your festivals, O O Judah. Fulfill your vows, for never again shall the wicked invade you. They are utterly cut off. A shatterer has come up against you. Guard the ramparts, watch the road, gird your loins, collect all your strength. For the Lord is restoring the majesty of Jacob as well as the majesty of Israel, though ravagers have ravaged them and ruined their branches. What is the book of Nahum in all of its graphic violence about? It is to tell an oppressed people who are feeling hopeless, this will not last won't last. It may feel like it sometimes. The whole ravagers ravaging thing, okay God, I hear what you're saying, it doesn't feel like it. And that's when God says again, this will not last. Now, I don't know if this has a voice to you today. I don't know if we are going to hear this and hear this in such a way that 20 years from now, people are going to be saying, oh, you remember that Sunday when we did Nahum? Oh, I'll never forget that. You might forget this. But, what if it's Sunday morning and we are worshiping together in the name of Jesus and we are a family-sized, tight-knit church of Jesus' people, and we live in the Ukraine. And we preach in the Ukraine, and we grew up there, and this is our home, and we've been invaded. I think Nahum might have a voice 
Maybe. Again, this, this may take some imagination on your parts, but a lot of this morning in Nahum is going to take some imagination on your parts. But what are you, even in your own personal life, what, what's, what are you being invaded by? Promises of the world? I mean, we all face different things in here. Maybe Nahum can actually have a voice. Listen to the ending. And this is not... This, this ends on a violent dark note on purpose. This is on purpose. Because what this is, again, is the people who are oppressed saying of their oppressors, they're not permanent. They're not going to last. So the ending, 314. Draw water for the siege, strengthen your forts, trample the clay, tread the mortar, take hold of the brick mold. There the fire will devour you, the sword will cut you off, it will devour you like the locust. Multiply yourselves like the locust. Multiply like the grasshopper. You increased your merchants more than the stars of the heavens. The locust sheds its skin and flies away. Your guards are like grasshoppers. Your scribes like swarms of locusts settling on the fences on a cold day. When the sun rises, they fly away. No one knows where they've gone. Your shepherds are asleep, O king of Assyria. Your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountains with no one to gather them. There is no assuaging your hurt. Your wound is mortal. All who hear the news about you clap their hands over you. For who has ever escaped your endless cruelty? Back when I was learning all this stuff, one of my teachers said that when he was young and learning all this stuff, like Nahum, he thought one day while he was sitting there, you know, reading and studying, that one of these days he would be a preacher in a congregation and he would share with them this kind of material because I bet they've never heard this before. And he started getting kind of sad after a few weeks into his ministry when people looked at him during his sermon. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> going with this. Because he said, when I was a young man thinking I want to be a preacher someday, I could, I could say you know, boo, and people would amen. Y'all aren't amening. You know, I, I said I wanted to preach stuff you've never heard before, but y'all aren't amening. You know what they told him? We don't know when to amen because we've never heard this stuff before. Welcome to Nahum. He said it was like throwing wingless doves from the pulpit. And they just went out there and crashed onto the floor. And that's kind of what I picture what it must have been like to be Nahum 
in Nineveh, preaching to a group of people who felt so oppressed and so downtrodden that they actually couldn't hear what he was saying. And maybe. Now, the rest of this is a little bit of theological sleight of hand. And I'll tell you that up front. But what if Nahum's not the end of the story? Because there are two prophets who preached to Nineveh. Nahum, and what if, what if? The sequel to Nahum is the other prophet who went to Nineveh. Y'all remember him? We actually already covered him on purpose to set up this. His name was Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh, and we can't date Nahum and Jonah. They're, the, they're, they're some of the hardest books of the Bible to date. We know that Nahum was probably before the destruction of Nineveh, and you know, unless it was a reflection. Again, we just don't know. What if Jonah is the sequel to Nahum? What if Jonah, once he finally got to Nineveh after running away from God and the whole fish and throw up thing, what if once he got to Nineveh, he went into Nineveh in a pickup with a loudspeaker on the loud, kind of remember like the, when people used to have loudspeakers like politicians going through neighborhoods saying vote for so-and-so. What if Jonah drives into Nineveh in his pickup with the loudspeaker and over his microphone, he gets to the edge of town and goes in and says, people of Nineveh, Hear the word of the Lord from the prophet Nahum. And he drove an entire day into Nineveh preaching the book of Nahum. And Jonah loved it. He loved it. He loved getting to tell all the Ninevites, your time has come and you're over. You're it. You're it. No one is going to assuage your hurt. And the minute... Jonah finishes, Nahum 3, 19. Hits the rewind button, right back to Nahum 1, 1. People of Nineveh, hear the word of the Lord from Nahum again, because this is it. Your time has come. And he gets into Nineveh, and he preaches Sunday after Sunday, and he gets up in front of a very patient congregation, and he says, today's sermon will be taken from the prophet Nahum, just like last week. And just like we're going to do again next week. But then something happened. You read the book of Nahum, and the ending of Nahum is just like the beginning of Nahum. And it says, for some of you, there's no hope. What if Jonah comes in, backs up Nahum, and says, you remember what y'all heard from him? I'm here to tell you the same thing. There's no hope for you. Try to repent. I can't wait to see what would happen if you even tried to repent. And then you know what the Ninevites did in Jonah? I, I hate to spoil this if you haven't read it. If, if you haven't, it's... it's a great story because they actually 
repented. And Jonah, ooh, he was hot. He said, God, you hired me to do a job. And my job was to come in here and do the same thing Nahum did. What do you mean to tell me that Nahum, that his voice is irrelevant now, that, that it doesn't have any say anymore to the people of Nineveh? And you know what God's answer was? Are you really have a right to be angry over this? Let me tell you something. I'm paraphrasing, of course. This is even more than the Living Bible. Big time paraphrase. It's as though God says, I might occasionally have plans that go beyond your understanding. I may occasionally have plans that go beyond the decisions that you have made in this neat little world that you have constructed based on one thing that I said years ago. Because what we're dealing with here is people. And people, at any point in history, if they turn to God, and Nahum and Jonah tell the story as good as any other section of the Bible, and that story is, when you think there is no hope, there is still hope. God is up to things in our lives and in our world that go way beyond our understanding. You can watch and read and figure everything out today, and by the time we wake up tomorrow morning, most likely it's going to be irrelevant. You know why? Because things happen and because people. These are the stories. What if the things that happen are totally different than what you were told years ago? What is your faith? What is your what does your walk with God look like today in 2022? Let's go out on a limb here, and I bet it looks a little bit different than it did in the year 2000. Maybe even a little different than it did in 1990 or 80 or 70. Or... And is this not the big picture? of all the prophets in the Old Testament. Is this not the story of Scripture? Is this not the story of Jesus? And is this not also our story? This is our story.